I think people think that Beck is this weird, eccentric character. All he is is the Madonna version of weird eccentricity. When you meet a genuine eccentric, a genuine person that's not acting, it's obvious. Well, they're usually not smirking about yes. it the whole time. Yes, and also eccentric people don't just do stupid things. They're their own thing, not just putting on a show. I'm boring. I can't do an interview, so watch me be weird. So part of his first deal with Geffen, after Loser started getting some traction, he signed this deal with Geffen that said he could release other albums on indie labels. You know, less mainstream, more artistic stuff. I'm doing air quotes right now. Uh, an example of this would be the album Stereopathetic Soul Manure, which you cannot find on Spotify for a very good reason, <laughs> but you can find it on YouTube if you've got that much life to waste. Go check it out. I've seen people compare it to Captain Beefheart, which is in fucking sane. <laughs> I don't even believe Beck ever thought this was good. I think he just made this to sound weird on purpose for the sake of it and no other reason. No one's going to be able to figure this out because I don't even know what it is. Yeah. It's a Jackson Pollock painting. You splatter a bunch of paint on the canvas, always tell everyone it's art. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that shit's boring. It's so boring. When someone is faking or pretending to be weird or odd, but it's not who they really are. It's the fake eccentric. It's the fucking worst. It's unbearable. If you want to get really mad, go read about the art movement called Dada, D. D-A-D-A. -A. Mm -hmm. Beck's grandfather, I believe, was associated with this movement. Yoko Ono is very much inspired by the Dada movement. It is just people doing weird stuff for the sake of being weird and then standing there like some fedora-wearing motherfucker waiting for you to get how genius it is. Dada is boring. Nihilism is boring. Stream of consciousness, anything is boring. Unmitigated irony is boring. Without some sort of narrative, without some sort of meat and potatoes content, it really doesn't matter what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You can try to be David Lynch all day long, but if you're not actually David Lynch, it's not going to work for you. The best... Uh, do you know that what is her last name? I always forget the last name. She's the uh, like an artist, uh, Mary Mariana Maria or oh Marina Abramovich. Yeah, yes, that is something. At least for me, when I watched a little documentary on one of her art exhibits that she did, where she sat across the table from people, the artist is present. Yes, yes. it was fantastic because it's genuine yeah, she's fucking like that yes that's who she is it's not fucking fake <laughs> it's not a show almost anyone who likes art of any kind you know there are people who just don't give a fuck about art i right. get that too but if you like art, sure if you like art of any kind yeah. and you see this you're gonna know it's not the bullshit it's not the urinal in the museum of modern art right the thing that bothers me is people would say the artist is present it's just her sitting at a table who cares and people are crying and having this emotional thing okay well, let's take Beck and sit at him at the end of the table. They're not going to have the same experience. No. It's not because there's a genuine eccentric or interesting artist, and then there's Beck. It's not the same thing. If anything, you're going to be crying because you're so fucking bored. I don't think he would be able to maintain eye contact for that long. I think someone like this knows on such a deep level that they are a you'll fraud see, right, in so many ways. You'll see through the fake. Also, go the complete opposite direction. We, we went serious art direction, but also even with the goofy stuff. I don't believe this guy when he's trying to be goofy either. <laughs> I think Smash Mouth has more artistic integrity than Beck. Yeah. I think Cake has more artistic integrity than 
than Beck. I think the band Eels has more artistic integrity than Beck. Which version of Beck? That's the thing is he does a lot of what Madonna does because this is pop music. This isn't one that got in, you know? This isn't one that broke through a real artist that made it into the pop world. Right. I know there are people who think that. That's what it is, right? This is what this comes down to. All of Beck and everything we're going to talk about, every album, it's just pop music made by someone who doesn't want to just be a generic pop artist. I don't want to come across as a pop artist, even though that's what He's I make. He's afraid to take himself seriously. Yeah. That's early Beck. I've realized that what we're going to get to later is people think he did do that with Sea Change. It was his breakup album. He's supposed to get all serious and everything. I think that's bullshit too. Sorry. Right. So there's this video from 1994. It's a video of when MTV had Thurston Moore interview Beck. Welcome back to 120 Minutes. I'm Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth, your guest host tonight. And my first guest tonight is Beck. And Beck, he looks 12, right? He looks like a child. He looks like a 13 or... How, how old is he? I don't know. He would have to be... He was born in 1970, so he would have been 24 in this fucking video. Holy shit, really? He was 24 in this video, but he looks like a sullen 15, 16-year-old boy... If you don't have kids and you watch this video, it's the kind of video where you'll think, fuck, I'm glad I don't have a kid because th it's what teenagers are like, oh God. but he's 24. In this interview, Beck's got this whole contrived, I'm a weirdo routine all worked out ahead of time. And this is Beck. So Beck, uh, your song Loser, man, it's a smash hit. How do you feel about that? It's like uh, surfing in some oil spillage. Yeah, it is like that. Smash, no. smashing. Mm, yeah, I, I understand. He gives nonsense answers to Thurston's questions. At one point, pulls out this tape recorder and just plays some weird sounds instead of answering the question. And uh, your video loser is, is pretty hot, too. Uh, I see it everywhere. Um, you must be really happy that people are like watching it and getting the Beck vibe. Yeah, actually. This is Beck, and stick around, because Beck is going to be playing live for us later on. It's trying so hard to be surreal, but it just, it's fake. It's painfully, obviously fake and a show in the dumbest way. He looks like a 16-year-old acting like a 12-year-old in that if you were to say to a kid, dude, what is weird to you? Act weird and let me film it. Yeah. I'm going to ask you questions, but you're not going to answer me. You're just going to act weird. This is what you would expect an immature child to think what quote-unquote weird. It is odd that a 24-year-old man would think that this is the way to come off as strange to, I guess, teenagers. I think that's something you got to keep in mind is this guy's essentially trying to appeal to a younger audience. I wish I had looked up the year that Bobcat Goldthwait lit Jay Leno's couch on fire right, on TV. Right, yeah. Uh, that's an eccentric person. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's someone who wasn't really sure if he was going to do that the whole day. And then was like, hey, look at my <laughs> Beck, you want to be eccentric? You should have lit Thurston Moore on fire. Not, not cool. You can't, <laughs> you can't do that. Here's the thing. Even if your whole shtick is 
I'm weird. My song is called Loser. This like weird bluesy bullshit song. Your career's exploding. And one of the gentlemen from fucking Sonic Youth sits down <laughs> to interview you. Yeah. You know, you could still be quirky. You don't have to be a complete fucking weirdo. Sometimes I wonder if Thurston Moore had something to do with this because there are obvious cuts in between the questions. When it cuts back, Beck's leg is propped up on a road case and he's got his boot untied mm-hmm. because after Thurston asks him the question, Beck's response is to take his boot off and throw it at the wall. Beck, uh, I sort of wanted to ask you some questions about uh, you know, where you're from and who exactly you are, and uh, I can't seem to get any straight answers out of anybody uh, who uh, seems to know you, but uh, what exactly is your real name? Is it Beck? Were you christened Beck? All right. I do wonder if Thurston was like, yeah, man, it'll be great. You should do it. You fucking moron. I hate your song. (laughs) It's completely possible that he was. I would say just watching it, he wasn't just because he seemed so uncomfortable himself. He could have just been trying to keep a straight face. It's like you wish you could read Thurston Moore's mind the whole time. So when you wrote this album, how many Sonic Youth songs did you listen to in the writing of it? I noticed uh, (laughs) some heavy influences there. Please explain. At some point, someone must have been like, guys, this isn't going well. Yeah. Because they go to commercial for a long time and then come back and it's a real interview. Beck tries to give real answers and make his publicist happy, blah, blah, blah. He still does this shit, by the way. He still does these contrived things. In 2012, Beck released an album only on sheet music. Cool. I, I don't, I'm sure that there's someone who's confused about what I mean. You can go to a music store and you can buy the sheet music of albums that have come out. I guess Beck wanted to have sheet music in one of those racks to an album that had never been made or released by him. Here, you play it is essentially what he did here. And I don't know what this guy was going through in 2012, but some of the lyrics in this sheet music. Oh, there's lyrics too? Yeah, sheet music with lyrics and like play this song in this style, etc. Yeah, but you wouldn't know how he sang the melody. I would imagine that at the time there were a lot of people uploading their versions to YouTube or whatever. Sure. I tried to find some. I mean, I I kind of tried to find some and I didn't find any. Uh, I, I very, very passively looked for it. I searched it on YouTube and nothing came up and I just don't care that much. The lyrics in one of these songs called Do We? We Do. Do we ever want to take the low road? Do we ever just want to say we're through? Do we want to lock the door and throw away the key? Do we? We do. Do wow. we want to just look on the dark side? Do we want to wallow in the mire? Do we want to feel the world's against us? Do we? We do. (laughs) What's this guy going through in 2012, y'all? But, I mean, how how are you supposed to sing it? Mm. Like, if there's no... Do we ever want to take the low road? Do we ever just want to say we're through? Do we want to lock the door and throw away the key? Do we? We do. I don't know. That's one guess. I like that. That's definitely how it should be sung. For the record, I do not have the sheet music in front of me, so I don't know if that's anywhere close to what the notes were. I think it could work. Even when Beck has an argument with someone, it just ends up boring. Do you remember that new radical song, You Get What You Give? Yeah. So there's that part in it that goes fashion shoots with Beck and Hanson, Courtney Love and Marilyn Manson. You're all fakes. Run to your mansions. Come around. We'll kick your ass in. A lot of people read that as a dig 
on Beck, whose last name is Hanson, by the way. So oh, I don't know if this shit. guy knew that or if it's just a happy little accident that he happened to throw Beck and Hanson in the same verse of his song. Now that I kind of want to get a Hanson shirt. No, not Beck Hansen. Those are probably very expensive. Think so? Well, you could get a new one where they're adult, but nobody no, wants no, that no. shit, right? No, nobody wants that, no. But then the new Radicals guy comes out and makes some excuse about how he only put that in there to see if everyone was going to latch onto that instead of all the political messages that I think he thinks are in this song. Then Beck said that he ran into that guy, and it's all good, you know? Same exact thing with Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips. They squashed their beef. Wayne and Beck. What was their tiff? Wayne Coyne gave this interview, called Beck an asshole or a dick or something, implying that he's a prima donna, essentially. And then Beck was like, man, I was sick on that tour, so he probably just thought that I was being rude when I didn't come out of my dressing room a lot, and we had to you know, push some set times back and stuff like that, but it's all good. I know that Wayne's just talking shit. That's how he is. That's not how you have beef with someone. You should, no. You can do a much better job of this. I mean, I don't really know what Wayne is really like, but that dude seems like a genuine eccentric to me. People kept asking Wayne to say more about why Beck is a dick, and he finally told, I think, Esquire that Beck does all this stupid shit you'd expect from someone who just became an A-list actor last week and thinks they get to be a cunt now, you know? yeah. Take a limo everywhere as everyone else is getting into a van. You can't book him in any hotel room that the window looks out onto a highway. He only wants to see the city. He doesn't want to see the interstate from his hotel room. All of the checkmark things. That Now the writer gets to be an extra 10 pages long. Ugh, it's just, yeah, this guy. All the bullshit. For a rapper, Beck is really bad at milking a beef for PR is all I'm saying. Yes, he didn't write any diss tracks. Beck did this thing where he'd get other artists like St. Vincent and Devendra Banhart to come over to a studio and they'd cover an album from start to finish. You know, some album that someone else had put out a long time ago. It's the kind of idea where you hear about it and think, well, what albums? Oh, it's Velvet Underground and In Excess. I'll give it a chance. Sure. Press play on it. You can even find videos of this. Go watch the video of them doing New Sensation by In Excess. It sounds like someone took away all the spiritualized guys' organs and synthesizers, which is a terrible idea for a band. They do Suzanne by Leonard Cohen, like the Jesus and Mary chain would do it if they had cellos instead of guitars, which is, again, an awful idea. And it doesn't sound good. It's not good to listen to. Also, it's not like anyone needs this dickhead to imagine what it would be like if the Jesus and Mary chain covered Leonard Cohen. We know what that sounds like. With a twist or whatever. Just listen to the fucking Jesus (laughs) and Mary chain cover Leonard Cohen, man. We don't need this guy's brilliance to conceive of these things. Beck's entire approach to music is how many road signs can I put up to let everyone know I've got a very eclectic record collection. This dude definitely rolled around with the windows down playing his music real loud. Well, I mean, he's got a floppy hat on and it's one of his album covers. So, I mean, I think that tells you everything you really need to know. Why are people with the worst taste in music always the most outspoken about it? Mm. I feel like everyone I know who has good taste in music never brings up music as a topic of conversation. I think that's because they know that everyone else has trash taste in music and they don't want to argue all the time that's why i don't do it i think that people think that you and i are like this at parties or some shit where like all we talk about is music but (laughs) no this is the only time i talk about music is with mark i literally talk about music with you and with my wife this is basically our support group that you're listening (laughs) to right now (laughs) yes it's very common that i get asked in public in 1997 q magazine asked beck what his favorite alfred hitchcock movie is 
Guess what his favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie Birds. is? Birds. It's Psycho. Oh, Psycho. This is the only Alfred Hitchcock movie this guy's ever heard of. Yeah. He probably hasn't watched it. And part of his backstory is that he used to work in a video store. That's the most generic possible answer. I guess it's possible, but that's like somebody asking you, what's your favorite Led Zeppelin song? And you say, Stairway to Heaven. <clears throat> like that that's just the most simplistic bullshit answer. I guess it's possible of all the movies that he made, if you worked in a movie house, this is the one that sticks out most is Psycho. Okay. Dude, Rope and Vertigo are the correct They're responses. All, I was going to say, <laughs> I would say even within my very highbrow movie friends, they would no one would say Psycho. No, I mean, it's Psycho, sure, but it's not your favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie. It was a big fucking deal if the first time you saw Psycho was the first time everyone saw Psycho in a movie theater. Right. Yeah, that rocked your world. Well, Psycho is, in my mind, just like a lot of things, it's like the gateway. You and I grew up watching movies that would not exist if it weren't for Psycho, and in a lot of ways, those movies were designed to hit us harder and more directly than Psycho did. Right. So yeah, Psycho Psycho, but fuck you if that's your favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie. It's definitely a weird answer. There's a really good chance he probably didn't even actually watch any other Alfred Hitchcock movies. I bet he hadn't even watched Psycho, dude. This guy looks like he would shit a brick if he watched that movie. That's probably fair. You think Beck watches horror films? He doesn't strike me as a horror nah, film fan. man. He strikes me as a guy that likes uh, This Is Us. I think that this guy watches Noah Baumbach movies, all right? Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Do you think he liked uh, The Squid and the Whale? No, the other, the movie that was Garden State. He definitely is a Garden State fan. Oh, yeah, dude. Midnight Vultures is, I think, the point where there's just no longer any excuse to believe Beck is anything more than a parody of music. This entire album sounds like he's making fun of Prince. But Jamiroquai was already doing that, so I don't know why this asshole thought he needed to come make fun of Prince, too. God, Jamiroquai, that fucking hat. I think it's funny that Beck has fans at all, but I think it's funnier that they listen to Midnight Vultures, which Beck has said is a dumb album that he made dumb on purpose because he thinks R&B music is pretty dumb. Beck fans will still listen to that album just like it's any other Beck album. There are a lot of Beck fans who this is their favorite Beck album. At some point in here, somebody says to me, Beck is a great, they like Beck. And I remember thinking, Beck is still around? I didn't know that anybody cared about Beck. Well, he has this massive comeback after Midnight Vultures. This is the thing, though, is even in this spectrum and past it, he's pretty fucking huge the whole time, unbeknownst to me. Yeah. He has a huge following. I know no one that says, oh, I love Beck. Until later. There's this thing in Scientology where they tell people to go keep buying copies of Dianetics in order to keep it on bestseller lists. Right. That makes sense. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you seen some of the bullshit that Scientologist actors make recently? Anyone who has Netflix, try to watch the first episode of this show called The Ranch with the Danny Masterson guy on yeah, it. It is that. one of the worst pieces of shit you will ever see. Listen to the singing on the song Deborah from Midnight Vultures. As far as I'm concerned, it's unforgivable. This seems to be a fan favorite song. There are Beck fans who love this song. I cannot understand why anyone wants to listen to this asshole shriek out of pitch like a less talented version of Ween. Listen to the song Sex Laws on the parts where a real soul singer would do anything to convey emotion. They just add an effect to his voice that makes him sound like a bug, like a crackly bug voice. <laughs> oh, Beck's here. 
put on the filter. Again, it only makes sense as a parody of soul music. And I wonder if people realize how much of Beck's career can be viewed as a straight up parody of predominantly black music. He's parodying rap. He's parodying soul music. He's parodying funk music. Blues. This is basically a minstrel show for the first five years. This dude is Iggy Azalea. He's certainly changing his voice to try to sound black on the rap stuff. He's admitted to this. He's admitted to trying to sound like Chuck D on Loser, and he does that same voice on the whole everything he raps on. Yeah. And for all the white people, that's Chuck D of Public Enemy, not Mike D of the Beastie Boys. There's a massive difference, especially in the way these guys sound. Yeah, that's a pretty obvious difference. Can you imagine being Chuck D and seeing Beck on the Grammy Awards, getting awards and applause for basically doing a terrible version of your act that everyone seems to be taking seriously it would be tough i would fucking retire <laughs> it would be tough dude if beck's first album if beck was transported to the future before he was able to put out his first album and he did it now he'd come out doing a little wayne impersonation and everyone would make fun of it fuck this guy watch live performances of where it's at and make a little check mark every time you see him throw in something that he copped from james brown like ha 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 look i can do james brown stuff well no you can't guy watch my feet watch my feet the new pollution is a song that i think was designed to capitalize on how horny America was for UK culture in the 90s. This is right around the time of Blur, Oasis, and Shoegaze happening. And also all the retro versions of those things like Austin Powers and Spice Girls brought back mod fashion around mm, this time. I remember. Uh, did you remember that the next thing the Dust Brothers did after this was Mbop by Hanson? No, makes sense. Yeah, there's a reason why the first song on Odelay starts off with a Beatles bass line and New Pollution has a fucking clavinet on it is they're chasing trends here. I'm sure we're skipping through some stuff, but we got to get to Sea Change, which is... Beck had done songs that were, you know, if you were a fan, you could possibly think you're supposed to take it seriously before. But Sea Change is supposed to be this serious breakup album. Beck and his producer, Nigel Godrich, had just both broken up with their girlfriends when making Sea Change. Uh, I think the great thing about Beck waiting until after Midnight Vultures came out, you know, this album that's obviously a joke, and then he puts out a mega sad album, there's no reason for me to assume, there's no reason for me to believe this is not also a parody. I just get to sit here and laugh at this guy's stupid feelings. I don't have to feel bad for not taking this seriously. He's sad, dude. He's so sad. I refuse to accept that. I refuse to accept this or any Beck album as a sincere effort to create something worthwhile. This is just a parody of uninteresting, sad albums made by and for uninteresting, sad people. What songs are big off this album? I don't even know. I mean, any of these songs? None of the songs are memorable. They're none of all them. bad. If you listen to Round the Bend and you've ever heard Nick Drake, that song is basically a parody of Nick Drake. Beck even does an accent sometimes. The first time I pressed play on this album, I thought the first song was about to be a cover of What's Up by Four Non Blondes. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out to be a parody of Mazzy Star. Then the words on the chorus are these days I barely get by and that's a fucking George Jones song 
you piece of shit. <laughs> Paper Tiger is a ripoff of a Serge Gainsbourg song. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but it's one of the Melody Nelson songs. I don't really give a shit about the beta band, but if you're a sea change apologist, then you need to go listen to beta band probably. I got to assume people don't know about Spiritualized. The dude from Spiritualized isn't a good singer, but Beck is way too bad of a singer to get to make an album like this. Yeah, just doesn't quite hold up. Beck's voice is non-existent. No, I know. There's something so not memorable about the way he sings on anything. This gets into the, I wasn't a silly, sad, boring person in 2002, so this flies way under my radar. Most people tuned out after Odelay. Some Beck fans who like the weird nitrous oxide stuff liked Midnight Vulture, because, I don't know, maybe Ween didn't put out an album that year or some shit. I'd have to go look that up. Mm. Then most people became aware of Beck again when he came out with set, uh, I almost said sad change. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how awesome would it be if this album... Sad change is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> After Sea Change, Beck goes back to the Dust Brothers for another singles album, and it's just the same formula as Odelay applied 10 years later. Let's mash up everything that's popular now right. with everything that is eternally cool in the critic's eye. Uh, this is the album Wero, which is Spanish slang. Beck likes to talk a lot about how he grew up in a poor Mexican neighborhood. So it just comes from him saying he was uh, born there in a, in a neighborhood thing, okay. Like we were talking about earlier, I don't know if I realized Epro or Girl were Beck songs when Weirdo came out, but I remember hearing them every time I went in public. Right, yes. I, I mean, I know I know they weren't Beck songs. From a financial standpoint, I understand why somebody would say, I wish my song was played everywhere. But again, if your song is played everywhere, that's because it's just a simple... Lowest common denominator. Yes, exactly. It's just a song that applies to everybody through some generic method. You made the best worst thing. Yes, great, cool. Sir, you did the greatest job at making the most simplistic generic music that's popular right now. Good job. You have two songs that are everywhere now. Great. That sucks about the insomnia. Just go throw thousands of dollars at the Scientologist and they'll make it all go away. This is Mark Mosley talking. Uh, by this time, you probably have a good idea whether you agree with us or not. And if you don't like the podcast, that's completely fine. Everyone needs a moronic friend. Either way, we don't really care. We just like to get discussions going around all these topics, you know? If you're a fan of me, Tyler, do us a favor. Go ahead and share this episode. Yeah, tweet about it. Post it on your Facebook Actually, the thing I think you should do, click the little share button on whatever phone you have, send it to someone that you know likes the band of the episode that you're currently listening to. It is most important <laughs> thing that you know where your friends stand with these things. And the only way to know that is you send them this episode. You wait for the fallout to happen. Right, then go to yfbspod.com. You can get stickers, buttons, shirts. By the time you're hearing this, there's no telling what'll be in the store. Just get something. Yeah. Make sure if it's a sticker, like put it on your car. On the passenger side window. Facing in. After that friend doesn't even acknowledge that you sent them the episode, but they definitely listen to it. No way to resist it. It's kind of awkward the next time you see them. Sure. Especially when you're wearing a Your Favorite Band Sucks t-shirt, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You'll like it. I'm trying, I'm trying a new catchphrase out. Hey, you'll like it. You'll like it. Mark says you'll like it. <laughs> I had mostly stopped paying attention to everything about mainstream culture at this time. I was not paying attention to anything. <laughs> so like, I don't know the names of a lot of the bands that they're biting at this time, but I know that it's what 
I was hearing in every other song in these same public places, you know, bands like OK Go. I don't know if that band Millionaire or Kasabian were around about this time, but this is, yeah, this is, these are versions of that. I do know that the song Hell Yes is making fun of Gwen Stefani. If it's not, I don't know why it exists. That night running song with the Cage the Elephant guy sounds like no doubt rewriting Iggy Pop's nightclubbing. It even rhymes, print it. And I'm aware that I'm a terrible person, but I saw that there's a song on this album named Broken Drum and then it's dedicated to Elliot Smith. And I honestly just laughed out loud. Again, I'm not sure he's not joking. I'm not the bad guy. Beck is the bad guy. He's the one who doesn't have good taste here. After Weirdo, it's just a mess of albums nobody really cares about. I don't think anybody cares. I don't even think anybody cares about Guerrero other than the hits. Man, you'd be surprised. Beck fans are I out know, there, well, I know. No, there's a ton of them. This, again, is in the era of I did not know Beck was still an artist. There's an album called The Information. That song, Nausea, probably would have been a huge hit in the 90s, but Nausea came out three years after Radiohead's Hail to the Thief. Oops. Also produced by Nigel Godrich. So, I mean, I guess Beck is writing Radiohead's B-Sides for him now. That's what he is. B-Side Radiohead? Yeah, Radiohead. Radiohead. Radiohead shows up to the studio one day and Beck's sitting there like, hey guys, wrote you one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you go ahead and record that one, man. We do not want that. <laughs> I do think that he buried Scientology stuff in his lyrics all over the place, though. Positive. I think the information is another Scientology song. Radio's cold, soul is infected, one by one I'll knock you out. God is alone, hardware defective, one by one I'll knock you out. Yeah, definitely screaming some Scientology. I mean, the whole album's called The Information. It sounds like a pamphlet for a cult. The whole album's probably full of Scientology stuff. And this is where he started doing the puppet thing. I don't know if you're aware of that at all. Yes, I remember. He toured with a puppet show at yeah. one point. It was just a puppet version of the band shown on a video screen while the band was still playing live he's so artsy he is dude. so artsy oh my god he's so artsy and weird i also have seen a lot of beck fans doing that whole you got to separate the art from artists yeah i mean personally i don't like it that he's a scientologist but what are you gonna do he just got the heaters i don't know but you don't get to do that with this guy no i don't know if you get to do that with anybody do you i don't know that's an ongoing debate well it depends what it is man true do they put ketchup on hot dogs probably fuck them jesus christ i guess i'd listen to their album you trying to make me puke yeah i don't know what kind of sick fuck does that <laughs> that's so disgusting but there's just no way there isn't subliminal Scientology stuff all over this guy's lyrics. It's impossible. Look at the song Volcano from Modern Guilt. Uh, first clue, the cover of L. Ron Hubbard's book Dianetics, which is yeah. referred to in Scientology as book one. This is the intro course. That book has a volcano on the front cover. Mm -hmm. This Beck song is absolutely about Scientology. The lyrics are, I don't know if I'm sane, but there's a ghost in my heart that's trying to see in the dark. I mean, that's Scientology. Oh, God. There's so... I don't want to go through it all. That's a pretty painfully obvious one, though. That's the uh, volcano, but isn't it because, like, the... Xenu uh, brought everyone here. Yeah, 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 right. Xenu's the bad guy. And he, he brought put everyone them in here. Volcano. He stood them around the volcano. Right. And then, I don't think any of this is in the Dianetics book, by the way. Uh, I think the Dianetics book is just the psychotherapy parts of Scientology, which many people have said there are benefits to doing, and I'm sure that there are, sure. but you can do that without getting blackmailed about the shit that you say <laughs> in the session. There's ways to do that. It's called therapy. It makes you feel you so can, good until... <laughs> you could just go to therapy. It's less expensive. But yeah, uh, Xenu put hydrogen bombs in everyone's chest, I think, and blew them up. It's insane. I love it. This is my favorite. And then they're immortal, unkillable spirits are what 
is attached to us, you and me, right now, okay. I think. Okay. And then you need to cleanse them, right? That's the thing is you have to go clear. Yeah. Like From there, it's just Kabbalah. He incorporates Christian stuff. It's all these. And it's sprinkled all through Beck's songs. It's in there. Can you imagine listening to a Beck Greatest Hits album? Like just this guy's no. singles. It would be the worst mixtape. But that's kind of what I always do when we actually do these episodes. I just go through like Try pre to. predominantly like the biggest songs. But I find myself literally thinking every time besides Loser going, how do I know this song? How do I know this? I've never, ever, ever bought a Beck album, ever. I've never listened to a Beck album on purpose ever in my life. I don't believe that Beck has a greatest hits album. And I believe if he put one out, it would not sell unless Scientologists threw millions of dollars at it. Bought streaming farms or something. Because of how much this dude has changed. You can't press play at the beginning and go through, listen to just the singles that were hits even. Going from loser to sad Beck is a weird day. It's a weird day if that's what you're riding around listening to. As of this recording, the two most recent Beck albums, I'm pretty sure no one even knows were released. I definitely don't think anybody knows or cares. Colors and Hyperspace. Nope. I mean, I would strongly recommend everyone skimming through those to hear the point that we're making. When we say his past albums are him mashing up some what critics think are cool thing, with some modern pop thing, you can really hear the modern pop thing. There's the song, Wow, that is honestly pretty funny. If he's intentionally making fun of pop music that sounds like that, mm -hmm. then this is a very funny song. The chorus is literally, it's like, wow, it's like right now. It's like, wow, it's like right, right now. Yeah. It's one of those hi-hat, it's like, wow, the dumbest version of all that post-dubstep electro-pop that got huge in the late 2000s, around 2010. This is the soundtrack of the rise of Instagram influencers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know any of these band names either. Synth pop from the last 15 years. Saying, yeah. I look at, if you listen to Colors or even Hyperspace, I'm like, well, the killers already existed. There are some killer songs. All these things already existed years ago. He's like really behind the curve here. I think he always kind of was, though, yeah. is what I'm saying. I think that's why people didn't realize that he's parodying this stuff is because he waits until you forget about it. And then he comes out with a parody of it. Right. Mixing it with some critics darling shit. Like right now he's mixing Animal Collective and Phil Collins. The video for the song Uneventful Days, definitely go watch that. It's too bad Beck's not as famous as someone like Drake or Rihanna, or there'd be millions of people making memes out of this video. He looks like he's trying to dress like a member of Boys to Men would have dressed in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. He's wearing a blue shirt with a long black trench coat and black sunglasses staring up at the sun. This is filmed from above. It straight up looks like, I don't know, a Keith Sweat music video, except it's Beck. <laughs> He's so white, he looks like Phil Collins. Hell boy. Beck is pretty much Phil Collins, by the way. If you go back and listen to the Phil Collins episode, a lot of what we're saying is here. The genre hopping, because he can't take anything seriously. Having a song on an album, this is this genre song, this is that genre song. Anytime you ask him what his lyrics are about, he says he just makes them up on the fly and they don't mean anything. Even though when you look at them, there's probably some fucked up stuff like Scientology. Or the song Girl, which was a huge hit and has the lyrics, I know I'm going to steal her eye. She doesn't even know what's wrong. And I know I'm going to make her die. Take her where her soul belongs. That's in that song. Where does that come from? 
I don't know. Did he actually do it? I think he heard Possum Kingdom by the Toadies too many times in the 90s and is trying to express that sentiment. Or he's a psycho killer. Yeah, yeah. I like to think that's that. You think it's that? Yes, I like to think that he did it. This whole time, he's just actually rapping and singing about things that he actually did. Beck has a song on the Twilight soundtrack. Fantastic. And on the True Blood soundtrack. Oh, maybe he loves vampires. This would be like getting a song on the Ant soundtrack and the Bugs Life soundtrack. How do you get both? You've got to be so generic to get both. Yeah, dude, you got to go right down the middle. But this is what it is. You got to make music right down the middle, but you have to get people to believe nobody could be as creative or interesting or 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 whatever as Beck. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then when he puts out this generic milk toast music, everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's just so fucking great." It's like, "No, you he's just bamboozled you into thinking that he's interesting." It's an uncreative person's idea of a creative person. It's a boring person's idea yes. of an interesting person. I'm telling you, when Morning Phase came out, I remember people saying, I love this Beck album. And I remember thinking, why do you listen to Beck? And especially when all he has been doing for the last, I don't know how many years, is just making sequels to his own albums. Wero is a sequel to Odelay. Morning Phase is a sequel to Sea Change. He just updates the bands that he's using for the formula. Yeah. That's all that he does. It just, it just made me lose respect for a little And people. then the Grammys give him a fucking album of the year award yeah. for Morning Phase. Yeah. Which we are now going to talk about so that this episode can close on something that's remotely interesting. People fawned over that album like it was the craziest shit that got released that year. Yeah, some people, and then everyone else flipped the fuck out when the Grammys gave it album of the year over Beyonce. Yeah. Does everyone remember this? This is not when Beyonce was up for Lemonade, by the way. This is in 2014. This is Beyonce's self-titled album. I didn't even know that that album existed for real. He won a fucking Grammy for an album that I didn't know existed, and I pay attention to music, dude. No one talks about this album anymore unless they're talking about how Kanye West, following the Taylor Swift incident... So this is after Kanye pulled that shit with Taylor Swift where he interrupted her speech and said the award should go to Beyonce. Beck and Beyonce are both nominated for Album of the Year at the Grammys. Uh, Prince reads the envelope, and I've, I hope to God that Prince never heard the Midnight Vultures album, one second of it in his life. Mm -hmm. Because I can't imagine how terrible it would have been to have to hand this fucking asshole a Grammy award, not even having the decency to make sure everyone knows that he's Weird Al (laughs) before making fun of Prince. Prince hands Beck a Grammy award. Beck starts to give his acceptance speech and everyone sees Kanye West come into frame. Beeline. Kanye West is on stage coming for the microphone. Beck is probably terrified. He has no idea what's going to happen. So he like steps away. Then he realizes what's going to happen after Kanye waves it off like he was just kidding. Right, right, You know, nah, just kidding. I'm not going to do it. But then after the award show, someone asks Kanye, yo, what was that all about? And he runs off all this genius shit about how Beck needs to respect Beyonce's artistry, implying that Beck's not a real artist. Mm -hmm. Later, Kanye apologized. I guess he found out that Beck can play 14 instruments or some shit, but honestly, if half of those instruments are spoons, who fucking cares? (laughs) He can play a washboard? Fuck off. But also, how if Kanye actually knew anything about Beck, he would know how much of Beck's career is fucking minstrel show. It would have been so sick if you know kanye went up and took the microphone from taylor and did his whole thing 
Kanye should have actually tackled back to the ground and like beat the shit out of him. Wow. Or like choked him out. You took that to a violent place. I was yeah, not yeah, expecting yeah, yeah. that. Because, you know, he couldn't do that to Taylor Swift, but he could have done it to oh. Beck. So here's the thing about this, though. Everyone with a brain knew Beck was going to win that Grammy Award as soon as he was nominated. This is like when Leonardo DiCaprio won an Oscar yeah. after being nominated a hundred times. You know, at some point they're going to go, okay, we actually have to give it to him this time. It's not even for the movie. It's for right. all the movies they didn't give right. him the award on. This is across everything we should have given you this, but we never did. That's what this shit is, man. He's yeah. been, he had won Grammy Awards before, but not the big one, right. not album of the year. And he'd been nominated and lost all of those times. He hasn't put out an album in six years. Mm -hmm. This could be the last time he's nominated for a Grammy, let alone the big award at the end of the night. Grammy voters love this shit, y'all. Grammy voters think that they're starring in a remake of Rudy every time this happens, okay? They're gonna go for this story every time. 100%. This is it. He's gotta win this time. And I do think that this must have been a real conundrum for a lot of people, mostly racist. Because on one hand, you got Kanye West, who is a rap producer, and Beck, who is at least marketed as a quote-unquote rock artist, a.k.a. to these people, real musician. Mm -hmm. Unlike all these rappers, you know? Uh, like Elvis Costello, after all this happened, Elvis Costello said, what is it exactly that he does about Kanye? Yeah. Like, dude, what the fuck do you do? What the fuck? What have, you, have you been singing for the uh, last 30 years? Because it doesn't sound like it, dude. It's the most absolute, like, dickheaded thing to possibly say. But also, Odile is an album made almost entirely out of samples of other people's music. I personally find it infuriating that 500 times more people know about Beck's song Loser than Dr. John's song Walk On Gilded Splinters, which is one of the greatest songs ever recorded. And the closest most people are ever going to get to hearing that is Beck's sample of a cover of that song. When he's not straight up sampling music, he's ripping it off. Like the Taxman bass riff, that song Round the Bend rips off Nick Drake's Riverman. This guy rips off Serge Gainsbourg like he's getting paid to do Wait, he is getting paid to do it. <laughs> and then Beck can't even have a proper beef. Yeah. All he could talk about is how he wishes Kanye would have really come to the microphone because he wanted to hear what he has to say because he's really a genius. Like, dude, you got to stand up for yourself, it's man. Just, it's just kind of so sad. I wish Kanye would have come up here and totally stolen the spotlight from me and said what he thought about the Grammys. That Kanye shit boosted Beck. Like, there were articles written about the boost oh, sure. made for Beck's sales. Yeah. Like, Kanye did Beck a massive favor by putting him in headlines like this. One last thing. Did you know that Beck did a duet with Taylor Swift after this? <laughs> <laughs> What's the song called? Fuck Kanye. I mean, it should have been, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird way for them to work out there interrupted by Kanye while accepting an award issues. But hey, at least they have each other. They have it in common. This is our, our bond together. They don't have a podcast event on, so. Maybe they should start a podcast. I can't believe we actually did an episode on Beck. I can't believe that anyone likes this guy side note this is something i meant to talk about earlier and i didn't even get into funny music sucks i get if you throw a tenacious d or weird al or ween album or primus album on once every five years or some bullshit when you're stoned mm -hmm. but if you're rocking that on a daily basis you did not fully develop into an adult yeah what the fuck is wrong with you're you? not a functional adult yeah Get it together. Also, if you can't differentiate between real music and fake music or comedy music, even worse. Funny music sucks, and if your favorite band is back, your favorite band sucks.
you're welcome for listening to your favorite band sucks. You know, I consider these last two episodes a pretty remarkable achievement. Like, there's no way you're hearing me say this unless Mark and I were somehow able to make a conversation ostensibly about Beck interesting enough to hold your attention this long. That's really impressive. It's almost like we made a frame so amazing everyone wants to stand there and look at it even though the painting inside is just of a bowl of warm, unflavored yogurt. So send this episode to everyone you know, especially anyone you know who's still listening to post Odalay Beck. It's possible you could save a life. All right, no big surprise here. Coronavirus has hit the merchandise industry just like it's hit everything else. But Mark is working on getting the new t-shirts made. If you haven't seen the new Beethoven shirt design, go check it out at shop.yfbspod.com. Get your pre-order in to support the show and acquire a cool new t-shirt at the same time. It does cost a pretty decent chunk of money to host a podcast that gets this many downloads. So for everyone who wants to help, but you don't need a new shirt or sticker or anything like that, we went ahead and added a tip jar to the web store. You don't have to make it rain, but every little sprinkle helps. And of course, there is now a Patreon for everyone who wants to make a recurring monthly contribution and receive the perks that come with that at patreon.com slash yfbspod. So I know nobody's even gonna believe me when I say who the next episode is about. I'm gonna tell you anyway, but before I do, I just want to remind everyone, we're still releasing episodes that were recorded prior to the first national lockdown in America. Mark and I are still social distancing. We haven't even seen each other since maybe... February or the first week of March. I'm not even really sure. So in a way, the release of this next episode was kind of determined by fate. You could say Mark and I were born to make the next episode of this podcast, almost as if it were fulfillment of some ancient prophecy. In fact, it wouldn't be out of line for everyone to go ahead and start calling the next episode.